You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Once again, it's time for a guest to join me and pick their Dream 15. My guest this week is Telegraph rugby writer Charlie Morgan. Uh, You know him from his articles in The Telegraph, also wrote for Rugby World and Sport Magazine in years gone by. Uh, He's a fantastic rugby writer. He's brilliant on Twitter as well. Great analytical brain and uh, he's also a lot of fun. So he had a a great time chatting us through his his side. Uh, He's got a real kind of love for the game despite writing about it for a living you can tell that he's still very much a a fan at heart and so yeah had a really good time selecting uh, or listening to his selections rather so that is coming up in a moment and uh, yeah we've got some more already recorded recorded with Phil Davis the former Wales second row uh, of course coach with uh, Scarlets and Cardiff Blues and uh, in Namibia as well so that one's coming up he's a thoroughly thoroughly nice guy and uh, yeah another interesting side that'll be coming out next week and yeah hopefully we'll, we'll get a few more of these recorded and who knows we'll maybe be back to talk about some real life rugby at some point soon but uh, in the meantime uh, you can enjoy Charlie Morgan picking his Dream 15. A quick word for our sponsors before we get underway. You will, of course, know that's So Coffee Trades. And if you want to get your hands on some fantastic quality coffee and support a young Welsh business, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. Welcome to another episode of Dream 15 by the Attacking Scrum. You'll know the format by now. We get a guest on each week to talk through a fantasy team made up of our guests' favourite players. In addition to that, they'll also get to pick the opposition that they'd like this team to play against. They'll also get to choose the stadium that the game takes place at. And they, most importantly, they get to choose the kit that the team will run out in. Uh, we've had some fantastic guests come on and do this. And we've got another fantastic guest joining me this evening. It's 
Telegraph rugby writer Charlie Morgan. How are you doing, Charlie? Very well, thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Oh, not at all. We've uh, as um, as was kind of uh, making a, a short list of people I'd like to come on. I thought you'd be you'd be the kind of guy who'd make a a very valuable contribution to this. And by valuable, I mean you have that wonderful gift of uh, of being a massive rugby nerd, but then also <laughs> uh, <laughs> but also like to indulge in a little bit of a flight of fancy. So uh, so we thought you'd be ideal for this. How did you uh, how did you find uh, selecting your fifteen? Yeah, nerve-wracking, because that sounds stupid, obviously, because there shouldn't be any right or wrong answers and it's all personal preference, but you find yourself picking someone and then worrying about who you might have slighted. And I'm glad and glad we're kind of going to hopefully talk through a few alternatives and can maybe kind of appease um, their fake outrage by saying they can maybe get a spot on the bench or something like that. But no, it was really fun, really fun overall. This is exactly what I wanted because I, you know, you will be. This is you're assuming the role of Ian McGeekin in kind of 1997, <laughs> and uh, you know, trying to trying to keep people on side. If you do a good job, you're Geek in '97, and if you do a bad job, you're Graham Henry in 2001. So it's uh, it's a difficult one, mate. I don't want to pile the pressure on you, but that's the uh, that's the kind of the level of fake outrage that we might be dealing with. <laughs> no, I'm so, I'm so far inside my own head already, but yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Good to hear. Right, let's um, let's start with the let's start with the front row as we more than uh, more than often do. Uh, right, loose head prop was this uh, was this an area where you spent uh, you spent a lot of time uh, scrutinising potential candidates? Yeah, a little bit, and and throughout kind of a theme probably throughout this will just be kind of weighing up kind of recency bias. Obviously, having kind of reported on the guys that are around now, I've seen a lot more of them, seen them develop in a lot of cases. So someone like Maka Vinopola, who's just been awesome to watch, um, he featured quite prominently, as did, and it's kind of, uh, this isn't this isn't a theme throughout the rest of my team, but the, there was a lot of kind of, a lot of English names that came up now in, in this uh, loose head. So uh, Joe Marler, I think is fantastic as far as like, technical now so it's set piece in defence and Ellis Genge is going to be really exciting um, Gethin Jenkins very close as well I actually ended up going for somebody who's been a mentor for Ellis Genge at Leicester I went for Marcus Yurtza. Mm. Um just yeah decade at Leicester so I, I grew up in Leicester I wouldn't say I was a Leicester Tigers fan growing up just because I, I was playing so much and doing other things over the weekends I, didn't, I wasn't a regular uh, Welford Road or anything like that but he had a decade there so really decorated there as well loads of trophies um, mega aggressive scrummager which when you're kind of I guess when you're young and watching set piece exchanges that's what makes it really exciting is that somebody's really going to go after their opposite man and you know he was he was um, he was doing the business wasn't he for for 10 years or so um, at Leicester and, and for you know nearly as long with Argentina going really well for them um yeah i've been fortunate enough to interview him a couple of times and just just a lovely bloke as well so yeah it kind of it kind of separated himself it's a very interesting one actually because the other names that you've mentioned in there um i guess what you call more uh more modern props you know the you know villapola is you know so explosive in the loose and gethin jenkins is so good over the ball and um, and yeah, like you say, Marla's very good at set piece, but he's also a very dynamic prop as well. Whereas Ayotza is much more, I guess, of your your bread and butter, um, your bread and butter set piece style loose head, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's only I guess like looking back, you kind of, I guess, when you're picking this, 
<laughs> picking, picking a uh, Maple Leaf team, you kind of look back over after you finish, you know, like, oh, that, yeah, that'd be an interesting kind of blend or whatever. So there is a blend throughout this pack. And yeah, Marcus is kind of um, him and actually the next guy represent real kind of the set piece, set piece solidity. Let's uh, let's move on and uh, and talk about the next guy in your make believe team, which yeah. just about which again just shines a light on the absurdity of all of this. But yeah, <laughs> quite talk us uh, talk us through your next selection. So it's John Smith. Um, oh. So, but which of, posi- which position is it? Two. So this is, is three. It? Yeah. So it's two. It's two. So he's he's there um, despite beating despite uh, remarkably beating the Lions at, at tight head in, in two thousand nine. I just think that ability. Um, to switch positions and and just be um, so versatile, so durable, um, an amazing achievement, and it's something that kind of um, I know you'll have been the same over the last kind of couple of months. Uh, the escapism of being able to watch old Lions games has been really cool, and, and that 2009 tour has been on Sky a fair bit. Watching him uh, do that and thinking, oh yeah, actually, you know, he played however many tests at hooker before this crazy and we mentioned um kind of the the kind of how much of a role model Yurtz has been I know uh, uh, Jamie George talks a lot about how much he learned from John Schmidt um at Saracens um so yeah that uh, just a kind of a real leader um and yeah he was he was my hooker had again the, the guys that I've written down sort of under him just a huge contrast in styles. I had Camel Shat. He's been really fun to watch recently. Dane Coles, Harry Thacker is a real favourite at Bristol, yeah. formerly of Leicester. Um, but yeah, fell back on kind of reliability and durability again. I mean, it's, it is amazing. Like I know, um, yeah, we we'll have spoken about this before, but to go from from hooker to tight head prop. I mean, like you know, positional changes are one thing. You know, like it was interesting watching you know Jamie Roberts starting often you know, kind of forgotten that he started to fall back and, you know, his first cap for Wales was on the wing and it was Gatland who kind of said, yeah, you know, I think this guy's an inside centre, you know, and that's, that's quite big. But to go midway through your international career for the Springboks as captain and go, yeah, I'm going to move Smith from hooker to tight head prop. And and the fact that he didn't just do a job there, he looked absolutely super. It's just testament to what, to what a, an amazing professional he is, really. Yeah, just crazy and I think that was maybe something um that got overlooked during the Six Nations when kind of the, the hype was all around Tom Curry being at eight and how much Eddie Jones had lost it but actually after that first game in France Tom Curry was fantastic at eight and that only reinforced to me not only kind of the I guess the strength of the team around him has to take some credit and how he's getting coached and the plans he's kind of playing towards but his that versatility at the very elite level, um, so uh, so 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 impressive. It is right. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a, a pretty uh, intimidating looking start to the front row. What about tight head? Is this uh, is this going to be another absolute bruiser? Uh, kind of, but um, I've gone with Carl Sinclair. So a little bit of that, um, and I guess he's maturing in that facet of his game. But I, I love you know, what he brings as a kind of distributor, um, how the lines he hits, um, how he gets around the park and does actually a lot of the the, the boring, unsexy stuff, the, the kick chase, he's so mobile, so dynamic, and he's kind of setting the um, setting the bar, I guess, in that in that regard for, for tight props and for tight five, tight five forwards, really. Um, I think, you know, as if we haven't done enough kind of 
looking back on the World Cup final already, um, I think in future, his kind of early injury um, will kind of feel a bit more significant. Maybe, maybe even it did at the time because, you know, you look back and South Africa, um, South Africa's kind of bench and and their six two split was so it's so fearsome, wasn't it? Yeah, and and you just you really did feel for and and Dan Cole actually would have been one of the names I, I wrote down just because his longevity has been seriously impressive. Um, guys like him, Adam Jones as well, um, had Tyg Furlong written down. So very very kind of modern look, just as far as um, had, had those guys and then Julian White as well. So totally the other the other side of the coin. But yeah, I just think Sinclair, as far as how he's brought the game on um, and how you know you hear about you hear about coaches say that teams are potentially limited by the handling skills of their type five forwards with someone like Kyle Sinclair, as you know, as with someone like Mako Vinopola, you're only enhancing what you can do as a side. If you've got someone like that in there. And I think, um, you know, as other, as other people have said, what's so exciting is that where he goes from, from here, I imagine over the rest of his career. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And it's, uh, it's a very, very interesting one because, you know, like like we say, this is a, it's a, a make believe side, but you've got the whole of history to pick from, and uh, <laughs> it kind of it kind of says a huge amount about his potential. The fact that you're looking here, well, not even potential actually. You know, I think it. I think we're way past talking about Carl Sinclair as a, a talented young player, aren't we? You know, he is, uh, as you say, the the World Cup final illustrated just how important he is to that England side, and you would imagine. The Lions tour, which you know ideally will take place next next year, he is going to be one of those one of those names straight away on the on the list to get on the plane because he can play such a big role in in big big games. So yeah, it's it's a really really interesting pick, but he, he's got everything there. And one of the other names you mentioned there alongside him, Adam Jones, who obviously knows him very very well from uh, from Harlequins. Mm. Whenever we you know we've spoken to Adam a couple of times about. Uh, um, about kind of the the best prospects that he's that he's come into contact with, and long before Carl Sinclair was uh, you know was an established England player, he was the player he mentioned. He was just like this guy has everything. Yeah, yeah, completely. And do you know what's quite cool about him as well is that he probably enjoyed doing something like this. He's an he absolutely um, loves it, and he's got a real kind of appreciation, I think, for the people that have gone before him, the traditions of um, you know you, you saw him there was there was a load of really kind of interesting interviews with him before he went on that Lions tour and how he'd watched the DVDs and how he'd lived them. And he remembered sort of every word of the team talks that Ian McGeekin were, was giving in, um, I think in the 2009, on the 2009 DVDs. I just think that's really cool having that appreciation. And, um, you know, as you kind of hint there, if he had, if he plays a prominent part in South Africa next next uh next year he's going to be he's going to be up there with those with those names i mean yeah you're absolutely right and i think it's those things that as a you know obviously it's a slightly different future because you've got you've got kind of a, a work hat on when it comes to to covering these tours but i know you've watched those dvds as many times as i have and <laughs> yeah, it, it, sure. it, it brings you it brings you closer to those players when you hear them talking in those terms we had um we had james hook on uh, a couple of weeks ago actually as we record this it went out this week and he said, you know, that a bunch of them got together and watched the 09 tour back, you know, like not long after when the DVD came out. And I just found it astonishing. I was like, I can't believe that, you know, you were there in the stands 
witnessing the, the heartbreak on those days that you wanted to kind of put yourself through it all again. But it kind of sh- it shows a how much the Lions means, and actually b how much the though the the stories behind the scenes kind of mean and resonate with people. Definitely, yeah, and that's a that's a pretty nice kind of segue into into my first lock uh, position. Um, I've gone with I've gone with Martin Johnson there, and I just. You know, again, we're going to talk. We're talking about escapism all the time, but there's there's the 2001 Lions DVD is is on YouTube or a version of it, and I was kind of at, right at the beginning of lockdown, skipping through that for. I, I want to say it was for an article, but it probably wasn't. <laughs> um, but um, before the third test, um, Martin Johnson had come back into the changing room after doing the coin toss, the coin toss against. Um, John Eels, and he was and he was furious. He was furious. Obviously, pretty fired up because it was a series decider. But all he, he, you only really get bits and bits of what he's saying to the team. One of them is um, how he's talking about how John Eels looks so smug, and I just think and having watched kind of, you know, for for a, looking back at you know somebody that we now consider a great at the game, having you know, in light of what he did a couple of years later, winning the World Cup, I just think it's really refreshing how somebody like that could kind of um what he was using to motivate himself was something so petty i just found that really 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 interesting and it was kind of it was a bit a bit like the bit like if you've been i'm sure you've been watching the last dance a bit like those sort of michael jordan kind of making up things in his head about people and i just thought that was just really cool insight and um yeah just it's a, it's a tiny thing and obviously what what he achieved with england the lions and leicester was was huge uh, to if you take a step back, it is absolutely. And um, first and foremost, that 2001 DVD is really, really underrated. Yeah, because the, the, again, the stories on there are uh, are pretty raw. You know, you've got Austin Healy and, uh, and Matt Dawson kind of spilling the beans to the press midway through the tour, and uh, you know that that kind of all comes out. You've it, it's a really messy tour, um, but you, but that DVD kind of tells the story of it. Um, and so that, that that one is very very much underrated but you're absolutely right right Johnson I love that because it again it, it makes you feel like it's um you know it's like you're you're playing your next door neighbor who goes to a different school you know <laughs> yeah, you, completely. it's like that it's just like oh yeah I don't have to get the bus home and he's there and he's won it with that <laughs> smug grin on his face and um and it's a it's a truly wonderful thing but I mean as a as a player and a leader one of the first kind of I guess uh you know the not that he was an angel during his career, but in terms of leadership, he was kind of the the model pro, really. Yeah, I think when when kind of um, you hear Eddie Jones now talking about leadership vacuums in in English rugby, you, you and a bit of that will be because every captain since Martin Johnson has been compared to Martin Johnson and has been in his shadow. Um, yeah, but that 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 kind of human element to it, um, yeah, just it was just just kind of just really really um just to kind of that in that detail um was just brilliant i'd forgotten i'd forgotten that so yeah a lockdown um a little bit of an insight into my lockdown i guess i'm looking i'm looking forward to who you're going to name uh alongside him it's either going to be like justin harrison or uh <laughs> or uh or danny grucock or someone who we uh who we <laughs> going for it's it, so it was a bit of a toss-up between it was either uh, Brodie Ritalik or Leonie Nakarawa I went with Ritalik um yeah so kind of a bit of chalk and cheese I guess uh as far as the two second rows but um just as kind of I think 
Sinclair's doing what he's doing at Tighthead. I think I think Retallick a couple of years um, before that, maybe maybe mm. even before that, had kind of just brought on what was expected of type five forwards as, as link men. And, um, you know, Leone Nakarawa has got that kind of un- unconventional, that genuinely breathtaking offloading. Um, you know, maybe he'd be, he'd be my number 19, I think. So yeah, that's <laughs> kind of how the first kind of, um, my, my, my first, uh, concession to a bench, but no, all of the, all of the tip on passes, all of the pullback passes. Um, there was a game, I think in 2018 against against uh, Australia, where he was kind of jackling at one end of the pitch and then getting on the end of a counter attack to score, sort of like 70 meters down the end of the the other end of the field. But then later in that year, it was the game at Twickenham against England, where it was kind of it, you know slashing down with rain, and he from I think England were 15 nil up, and I think he he kind of derailed steadily, went about picking apart England's line out. And that just kind of, and he's still, I think he's 28, he's still 28. And he's he's just been that complete, complete player fairly soon after he, you know, made his test debut, just a, a remarkable player. I know he's a big guy, but on television, he looks, he looks honestly 10 foot tall. And I yeah. don't know what it is, whether it's just, it's just such an imposing figure. And actually it goes back to the Martin Johnson thing of, uh, you know, when, when Geach selected him as captain, having not captained England. I think a lot of the rationale behind it was he wanted someone who was going to tower over the spring box at, uh, yeah. at, at the coin toss. And Brady Vitalik to me is like, as well as he can do, you know, one, he's an amazing athlete. Two, he's got fantastic ball skills, but he just looks like a colossus. You know, he looks like something out of Prometheus. He's <laughs> like a, you know, he's like, he's like another, another species. And, and yeah, I I completely forgotten he's you know he's still got a hell of a lot more to give. Completely, yeah. It's funny, you know. I'm not particularly struck by the size of players anymore. And, and to be honest, a lot. I remember a couple of them that have stood out as far as thinking, Jesus, that that bloke's huge. Were Dan Lydia and Richie McCaw because mm-hmm. they were just. And it's more not necessarily not obviously height with those two, but the cross section of them. They just it sounds mad, but there's just so much of them. Um, and Ritalik actually is so the, broad yeah that's it yeah that's it. Their, their cross section from their sort of the top of their the front of their pecs to the back of their back is just, just massive um, but really so, a bit of science for you there but the um, now the uh, with Ritalik actually what you, you're just kind of struck by is actually really slender um, but just a real real kind of that ranginess and that that was just what was so apparent in that game in the in the wet against England just that athleticism that dexterity and just totally and I remember I remember um some of the England I remember Maratoji actually and should give him a shout out because it like um you know he's he's, he, he's a, redefining the game actually isn't he yeah you know he, like he, he, he he's deserves a, every bit of the hype com- yeah completely um and you know he's on he's on a He's got a ticket to becoming a, a great, you know, if he if he sticks around at these these similar standards for a few more years. But I remember after that game, he was pretty much nonplussed as to how um, the All Blacks had just completely derailed what had been a really kind of reliable set piece platform for for England. Um, and yeah, that's so you know, just that just kind of speaks to um, what Retallick has, which is which is pretty much everything. Some mighty fine choice, Charlie. As we head into the back row, uh, I'm, I'm hoping there are going to be a few more cult heroes at some point. But it's your side, yeah. and you get the you get the uh, you get the final say. So, talk us through uh, the the back row options. 
So I've gone Ryan Jones. I'm gonna I have I'm gonna have to have a think over whether he's captaining um or not, but he's gonna be right in the mix. Um interesting. Yeah, so so my you know, one of the re- the reason I got into got into rugby because my dad was a huge, huge Wales fan. So I think you'll see that over there. I've realized that because we started in the in the front row, it's been um there haven't been any any Wales guys yet, but he's the first one of a few. Um and I just kind of there's a lot of things to like about him, just real honesty as far as how hard, how much of a hard worker he was, his longevity and just how he may be one of the few players on this list that have kind of maybe um, revamped how they played a little bit to stay at the top that little bit longer. And I think there's so much to respect in that. Um, I think he was one guy that you didn't really realise how many times maybe that he'd captain, the, captain Wales mm. until... Um, Sam Warburton passed him, I think, as as the kind of most most decorated captain. You thought, oh God, Arne Jones did it for a while, and he was obviously successful doing it. Um, so him bursting on kind of onto the scene for that 2005 Lions tour and actually being one of very few redeeming features of that tour, um, and then to last the course for I think eight eight years. I think he he had left maybe even more in um, for Wales, which you know. Seriously impressive. I'm just, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head when he when he last played for Wales. Um, I think it was 2013. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, that longevity, versatility, and just he, just he had a horrendous toughness. injury the year after the Lions, if not the yeah. same year. And um, you're right. I mean, that was it was. There were very few things to to cheer on that tour, but starting with that that performance against the Targo. And it was just proper old school, um, you know, a, a game of skills. He was just knocking players out of the way, and mm. it was it was fantastic to watch. And yeah, he uh, he had like a bit of a rock star thing at the time as well. You know, that he was a, young, a relatively young player, he had the long hair, kind of had it all, had it all going, and then to come back after the injury, you're right. He definitely reinvented himself as more of a, a bit of an old, a, a more old school six and, you know, did a, did a few shifts in, in the second row. It's really interesting that you're actually, I think, I think that's the first, this must be the eighth or ninth, um, one of these we've recorded. And I think you're the first person to even mention Ryan Jones. Really? Yeah. No, that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, totally taken with, with that 2005 talk. Hair probably played, big part big big one for lids um and so yeah and but then there is just so much so much to respect about a player that can stay at the top and re- and in doing so reinvent themselves um so yeah his versatility played a big part just toughness as well um i've got two again two totally different players um as alternatives I had tom croft and jerry collins um who would have been yeah good uh, good kind of choices i guess but yeah ron jones ron jones nicks it yeah, they're they're fantastic choices, and yeah, I mean, again, if we're talking about Lions performances that that kind of go down in folklore, uh, Tom Croft in '09, you know, it's that, yeah. that that was that was his peak, and again, injury kind of really meant he never got the opportunity to to do it again, really. Yeah, I've got there's so many kind of picking picking aside. I was kind of just as I went kind of noting down how many caps they got and a lot of them didn't get as many caps as maybe they could or they should have done um but yeah that's I don't know maybe maybe it was something maybe that's kind of made them more kind of I don't know alluring to pick and imagine thinking thinking what might have been a bit 
Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Right, what um, what are we looking at when it comes to open side? Then we've got a, a good out, out and out fetcher here. Oh, we re- yeah, we really do. So I've gone with uh, Liam Gill. Um, so had uh, David Pocock, George Smith written down. Obviously, two two icons from Australia, Sam Warburton and Martin Williams, two icons from Wales. But I just I remember th- as soon as. And Liam Gill came on the scene in 2013 when, um, and actually I think he might have made his either just bef- just uh, maybe just after that Lion series, um, but he'd done what he'd done um, for the Reds or what he went on to do for the Reds was what was great because I tended to watch a lot of Super Rugby just because um, yeah I'm I'm really shallow and it was really entertaining so and, um, and, you, and you can pass it off as work as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On Saturday morning. So, um, watched a lot of him sort of in his, in his kind of, um, early stage of his professional career and just, he's an excitement machine. Kind of, he was just a brilliant link player, really, really pacey, um, passing off the deck to keep, keep attacks, keep the pace of attacks high and just a nuisance. Like any, I think with, with those four, those four other open sides, I'm, mention what they share is like that real sense that you're watching someone work out the opposition and trying to think their way around the referee and think their way around the breakdown and just be a nuisance almost like almost beat the game um and Limgill was absolutely just a nuisance in that regard before the kind of the law came in much later where you had to where where tacklers had to retreat around the back foot to um attack the ball he was you know he was doing that Richie McCaw obviously very good at it as well um he was doing that and just it's just so cool to watch so yeah I, I think fit, he's he's still 27 and I have no insight for you on to his next move but he's just left Leon and he's not going back to Australia so hopefully staying in Europe that'd be it, really cool it's got dragons written all over it mate let's be, <laughs> let's be honest he's going to be warming the bench for Ollie Griffiths we all know that um but yeah I mean it's a, it's a really interesting choice given the you know, if you look at Australia during, you know, they've never struggled for open sides. And as you say, you know, you've got George Smith into into Pocock and then and then you've got a guy in Hooper who's so good that Pocock moves out of position. Um, it's a really, really interesting choice that you've gone for Liam Gill. Yeah, yeah. Just, I think, if 15, so 15 caps you got, never got a start, I think, which kind of just speaks right. to the, speaks to the talent of the other, other two guys you mentioned there. Um, but yeah, just... One, just one of my absolute favourite players to watch. Love I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you've gone for a nice hipster choice there as well, Charlie. <laughs> that's uh, that's very good. What uh, what are we looking at when it comes to number eight? Uh, number eight, I've gone for Fritz Lee. Um, just uh, it, it, kind of again, probably recency bias. I, was, I went to go and watch. Um, I was working at Bath Clermont in December in awful conditions at the wreck, and he put on a, just a total masterclass and he was slightly kind of sassy in the press conference afterwards kind of talking about, he was talking about how premiership teams kind of relied on um, French teams to rock up to away venues and blow up because they weren't fit enough. And that was a kind of, yeah, we've just kind of panned you at the wreck and we're fitter than you as well. And we could have gone again. And it was, it was, but it was a brilliant performance before that. And I think it's, I've seen him a couple of times live before that um, for Clermont and, it's really, really consistent for them, as consistent of, as Claremont have been in kind of getting their hearts broken at the at the end of competitions. But he's been he's been mammoth for them since 2013. Um, how do the guys again have been really lucky to kind of watch a lot of Bolivian Napola? He's been brilliant. Talupi Felatau, similar vein. Um, 
it would have been brilliant if they'd have combined on the 2017 Lions tour. That was a shame that never happened. And the other guy I had in there was Michael Owen. Um, just a really, really kind of skillful, skillful link man. He always looked like he was kind of, his, his offloads looked like he was playing kind of, basketball. Yeah, he was looking like he was laying up, laying up out of tackles all the time. It was great. It was brilliant. I do have, just as we come to the end of uh, the end of your forwards and the end of the first half, um, with Fritz Lee, I have a genuinely serious question for you here, right? Obviously, you, this is your moment of escapism. Um, but in the midst of everything that's going on in the rugby world, um, Fritz Lee is a guy who's got a handful of caps uh, for the All Blacks, uh, obviously of, of Samoan heritage. This is a big kind of debate, you know, debated point about international leg- um, legibility, and particularly when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the Pacific Islands, is that the kind of thing that you think might help kind of level up um, level up those those nations? If you've got players like Fritz Lee and Charles Piatek able to go and and, and represent uh, represent other countries, having you know, I guess, been discarded by the All Blacks. So yeah, so he's he's uncapped, but he's played for oh, New Zealand he? seven. He's, he's played for oh, New Zealand okay, seven. Right. So um, that's a really interesting question. Do you know, what? I thought actually that um, Billy Vinopola, funny enough, that we're on the eight um, slot. I thought he actually um, answered the question really well. Um, he got asked it the other day in a, in a really good interview by Nick Simon from the Mail, mm-hmm. and he was saying, "Look, it wouldn't be right for me to go back and and play for Tonga." Um, because I'm taking someone else's spot. And I think that is, I think what is, um, what's held up as kind of a flagship tournament where it's perceived to have worked was the two, was it the 2017 League? The League World Cup, uh, yeah. League World Cup. And Tonga had a brilliant side in that. And um, I think England just beat them, didn't they? In the semi? In the semi, it? yeah. Um, so that was great and it would be fantastic to, you know, assemble the best players. But I think that's another thing that you've got to think about is how much it would potentially stunt the development of those, of those you know, in inverted commas tier two sides. So I'm going to sit on the fence after all of that. Um, but um, it's not as easy to say as much as, as cool as it would be to have a Tonga side with two, you know, two Piatau brothers and, um, it would be awesome and the added spectacle of them playing against New Zealand would be fantastic but um, I just think as far as the sustainable development of of those Pacific nations you've really got to have that carrot of playing for playing for their national side and if you're going to have a lot of people slotting back and forth I think that's quite difficult. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting point. I'm going to let you off uh, and, and leave you sat on the fence and, light, <laughs> and lighten the mood slightly by saying if, if Billy Vinopola is going to go back and play for uh, for another nation, it's quite obviously going to be Wales, given how much, uh, mm. given that, given how, how how important that uh, that upbringing was, and his uh, his his accent is obviously considerably more South Walian than mine. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll end the first half there, Charlie, and uh, let's uh, let's go on and uh, have a look at your backs, and we'll do that after this very very quick break so let's have a look at uh, the back division you've assembled here charlie i, I like the uh, the balance of the uh, the balance of the front row not only in, uh, sorry the pack not only in terms of the the players but also the 
the established names versus some of your more your more cultured picks. Uh, I, I like that a lot. It's like having you know uh, the Kings of Leon first album next to uh, next to something by uh, by Television or you know some obscure Pink <laughs> Floyd record. I like I like the look of that pack a lot. I hope this continues into the backs. Uh, but let's start by asking you who's in the running for nine. Nine. Um, God, a lot of players. So uh, nine was my old position, and so this is this has basically come down to. Um, I don't know whether it's pathetically or not, but just who who I kind of basically used to copy playing or just used to watch intently while I was kind of going from back and forth, watching and playing, watching and playing. And I've ended up with Dwayne Peel, but mm. I've got a, I just got so many names. I'm going to just rattle them off really quick, I guess. Um, and these are from all over the shop as far as when it comes to time. So I've got Faf the Clerk, obviously recently. Um, he's been brilliant to watch. Um, I've got Rob Howley next, and I think I've been on been on attacking scrum before, talking about a 2001 Lions tour and how that basically kick-started me as a, a rugby fan. I was really kind of playing at that stage. I think at a very young level, but um, I, so I being, think you said you're watching uh, you're watching in a bar in Portugal, if memory yeah, serves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Greece. I don't know. It's all, <laughs> all very blurry. But um, there was transfixed, and and Rob Howley in that. Uh, it would have been second test, I think. But um, I just remember him being being so slick, um, so clever, um, so much poise about him. And again, we're kind of going back to something that um, Sam Warburton said. When I think he, he obviously gets a, he's obviously got a pretty uh, tough rap over his career as a coach. Um, but I remember Sam Warburton talking about coming in and being coached by Howley and how much he revered him for what he'd done previously um and yeah that that totally resonated with me because he was just a, a real icon of scrum half got gareth cooper as well george gregan in more of a sort of kind of criminal um not criminal sorry and more of a kind of um comic book villain um role and then kind of and then harry ellis was a kind of another one very Three interesting choice that yeah a very underrated player and again yeah. injury, injury cut him short didn't it yeah, yeah, he was uh, obviously a Leicester lad. And then Anton de, Anton de Pont, um, Will Genier, Fareed Dupree. So some awesome players there. But Dwayne Peel, um, in that kind of period, again, sort of around 2005 and on, he, he again, was a real shame kind of being part of that Lions tour, um, I guess. Um, but no, he was, he was fantastic, wasn't he? Loads, loads of kind of real steel about him. Love that he kind of bobbed and weaved around the fringes. Excellent, excellent kind of sniping in and around there, and he was great. Real combative, tidy player. I, I think, yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, it's just a classical nine. I would say yeah. he offers, you know, that threat around the fringes. He's genuinely quick too, but service was absolutely superb. But again, yeah, you're not you're not the first person to uh, to have picked him, and it's really interesting because actually, I think it's. Um, you know, with, with us being a Welsh uh, a Welsh rugby podcast, you know we've we've got such a history of nine. I know everyone talks about the, the factory of tens, but but mm. nine is equally as rich. And and as you said there, you know you, you have players like Cooper who have uh, largely overlooked for their their service for Wales, and you've got you know Mike Phillips and Terry Holmes and Gareth Edwards and all these phenomenal players before you get on to Reese Webb and, and the current crop. And but Peel is one of those players who I think is revered for that period of time because yeah. he just. For, for a couple of years, he barely put a foot wrong. And I think he probably was, 
if not the best in the world, he was certainly up there with the best in the world um, at that 2005 tour. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. He was when they they lined up to face the hacker, didn't they? And Brian O'Driscoll um, had the he had the youngest member of the side next to him, so mm. Tapia was quite prominent in that. But yeah, yeah, just a brilliant player. You're so right to kind of mention that some of these guys are fleeting, maybe in. Um, and they just kind of capture your imagination for maybe a spell that you've watched it, a spell of about six months or a year or whatever. But I just remember being um, transfixed with kind of his every performance and following kind of everything he was doing on the pitch. Yeah, he's an absolute master of, uh, master of his craft. Uh, what about uh, outside half then? Please tell me you're going for a kicking 10. Now you've got Peel providing <laughs> wonderful service, you know, going for uh, Duncan Weir or uh, Dan Parks or someone. Kind of the opposite. I've got one for Carla. I've gone for Carla Spencer. Um, just again, again, if we're talking about a moment in time from 2004, was when we would it would have kind of uh, coincided with us getting Sky. Uh, my mum and dad getting Sky at our house. So watching Super Rugby. Um, watching. Um, I've just I've just got real kind of burned into my into my brain the memories of that game against the Crusaders when he scored a couple of tries one he intercepted and goose stepped before halfway so he still had 70 meters to run when he was goose stepping and then the second one when they were winning winning by a couple of points with a minute left and he threw a miracle pass across his own posts and I just the the kind of the um for want of a better phrase just the no fucks to do to do that um just brilliant that absolutely absolutely fantastic i've got quay cooper would be the next <laughs> yeah. guy would he be in, I mean, in, the, be in the same mold quite clearly yeah he'd be in the same mold as a kind of in a chasing pack um I've got Bowden barrett there and stephen jones so again a bit of a mix but um yeah carlos spencer was um if there is such a thing he was he was the easiest pick for this side. You're right though, isn't it? It's like, you know, Carlos Spencer's stats should read whatever it is, you know, 60 caps for the All Blacks, however many appearances for the Blues, you know, five tries, however many conversions, number of fucks given, zero. Yeah. Right, it's <laughs> yeah, his higher exactly. playing career. He's a, yeah, yeah, just, he was a, an absolute joy to watch and, uh, you know, you, you just got to hope there's, there's more of those players around the corner because, uh it is it is hard, you know, the way rugby changes, defences get better and the game gets more and more physical, but there is always room for a, for an out-and-out maverick like him. Mm, I think just even even with the way it, it'd just be nice to kind of have have players who are encouraged to think a little bit like that, who are yeah. encouraged to think a little bit outside the box and, you know, what happens if we kick this way? And Because actually the principles of what he's doing now would be thought to be fairly pragmatic you know that sort of that deception on his banana kicks and whatever just teasing back threes out of back three players out of position and you know there's there's method to the madness but I think I think in a, in a funny sort of way the fallibility you know he's pretty he's pretty unreliable off the tee wasn't he um and pretty um liable to kind of I guess interceptions obviously famously uh, in 2003 mm. but just you know, if, you, if you're going to go on the on the on that on that kind of roll call of uh, theoretical stats, you know, the amount of people he would have inspired into playing the game and wanting to throw a ball around would have been sky high as well. You're right. I, I feel like this theoretical stats could turn into like one of those Chuck Norris parody Twitter accounts. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you know, just just generally Carlos Spencer's view on the world. Uh, let's yeah. move into the uh, where do you want to go? Centers or wings next? Up to you. So you go centers. Um, okay, go centers. 
so 12 I've gone I've gone Gavin Hansen um yes yeah just just again those I guess those fleeting moments that 2005 game against Wales he just he just walked on water didn't he he just could do no wrong and then actually to come back for 2008 and be um a little bit a little bit steadier maybe a little bit just be just as influential it was great and you know for, again he's another one of those guys like um some more to come and there's been a few more in my pack it's only only 34 caps kind of you think that could have been higher um and probably should have been given given his talent but um what he packed into those caps was pretty cool it is. And do you know what? I think that the really interesting thing with Henson is, you know, obviously, if you were to ask anyone about Warren Gatland and the type of rugby he played, particularly as, as you know, his, his tenure as Wales coach, you, know, you talk about Warren Ball and how pragmatic it was. But he would, if you were good enough, he gives you a free role. If you're Shane Williams or you're Gavin Henson, he wants you in, your, he wants you in that team because you are just that good that you can win games. And he was a pivotal part, you know, of that, um, of that 08 side when, uh, as you say, when, um, when he came back and Gatlin, it was Gatlin's first, uh, first um, run in charge of the Welsh, Welsh side. And then he also, he was desperate to take him in 2011. He broke his arm in one of the warm-up mm. games. He, fr- he fractured his arm. And, uh, and that was kind of the, yeah, that was, the, I think that was the end of his, of his Wales career. But, Gallum was absolutely desperate to take him on that. Uh, on that, I'm convinced of it, just because of he knew how not ju- not just the moments of brilliance, but defensively how good he was, and uh, and the kind of the the all round way that he could read a game, which I think is often the bit that gets a bit forgotten about Henson. I, th- I think when it, something you've kind of got to got to bear always in mind when you when you talk about Gatlin selections and Gatlin sides is how much. Uh, Gatlin cuts his cloth to what's available. You touched mm. on it there completely. Um, you know, if if uh, look at you know look at how he's teamed up um, Farrell and Sexton. If if he feels that a side has got a a USP, he'll do anything to to make the most of that. And he's he's the guy that um, kept faith in a young Danny Cipriani at mm. Wasps. Um, he's not you know he's not it's not necessarily. Um, you know, pragmatism is is also giving these giving these guys a free role, as you say. And um, you know, another guy I've got on the list here. I haven't got I haven't got too many inside centres down actually, because um, I was just so taken as a um, watching watching Henson kind of in his early international days. But someone like Aaron Major, mm. just that archetypal kind of um, second receiver um, that's kind of become obviously in vogue now because you kind of need those those dual distributors dual organizers um henson had that and a lot more i was looking back over highlight today um he scored a try for the ospreys from either he was in the backfield he might have been at 15 um it was against ulster and ulster just put a high ball up and he came forward looked like he was miles away from it but kind of collected it in in full stride and sort of glided through under the post he's capable of that as well just such a such a gifted all-round football. Like gliding's the words. Like I think if yeah. you look back through all of Gavin Henson's games, it never looks like he actually starts running at any point. You know, there's there's never any point. You know, you watch someone like Jason Robinson, it makes it easy, it makes it easy, um, makes it look easy to score tries. But you can see like how hard he's working and how quickly he moves. Like Gavin Henson, it 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 looks as though everyone else is running in slow mo, and he's just very casually walking or gliding through it. It's um, yeah, it's uh. It is absolute best, and and it has that added romanticism. If you just think, what if you know, what yeah. if 
if everything else, you know, if uh, if things had gone better in 05, if he'd have had a, a slightly different mindset, if, um, you know, if he hadn't got injured at certain points, you know, how would we be talking about him? So I'm, I'm delighted to see him in the back, in uh, your back division. Brilliant. Didn't tell Berbatov a little bit about him. <laughs> yeah, and I like to, I, I like to think Henson, Henson gets through 40 fags a day like Dimitar Berbatov does <laughs> as well. Uh, what about outside centre? Um, again, it's fairly, maybe a fairly obvious one, but um, Brian O'Driscoll, as far as, um, again, that 2001 one tour, it was, ju- he was, it was every time he touched the ball, it was almost as if um, a very um, streetwise, very uh, flinty Australian team were troubled every time this kid was touching the ball because he was sinewy, he was, he was quick, he was, he was deceptively strong in, in, in contact. And that just, that just captured my imagination since then. I just have loved watching guys like Jonathan Davis, um, guys like Manny Tulagi, maybe for different reasons a little bit. Um, but yeah, just uh, Adriscoll pips them. Yeah, I mean, I, again, strangely, you're the you're not the first person to mention him, but you're the first person I think to pick him um, in this. And it's it's really interesting because I've I've never really warmed to O'Driscoll, despite the fact that he's provided me with some of my best moments as a Lions fan. It's uh, you know, like I, you look at those three tours he went on. He terrorised Australia, as you said, in 2001. 2005, he was cruelly robbed and everything got turned on its head, including him, at that, at that point in, the, in that first test. And in 2009, particularly in that second test, him and Roberts terrified mm. the, uh, the, the South African defenders. You know, they were absolutely terrified of him. Um, and he's just... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what it was. If it's just the fact that he put in too many good performances against Wales or, or whatever it is, but... Um, there is no denying the fact that he is an all-time, an all-time great, not just in his position, but of players who've ever graced the rugby field. I mean, to, to think that he emerged on that 2001 Lions tour and you know, he was playing fullback in some of the warm-up games, I think. And again, that that YouTube trip I went on um, for that for that tour, the the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff they had the highlights in as well, obviously. And he he just he looks phenomenal. And to think that. Um, uh, you know, twelve twelve years later, I know you, I know you kind of missed out on the on the end game of that series, but to think he's still mixing it um, all that time later uh, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, I, actually, I, I kind of in my in my head, I'd, I'd glossed over the uh, the 2013 tour probably because of what happened at the end of it for him. But yeah, just uh, yeah, a, a truly phenomenal player. Let's uh, let's have a look at the the wing options. Okay, so on the left, I've gone with Joe Roccofoco. Probably is a little bit on Carlos Spencer's coattails. Um, I say that about a guy who's he's still joint second of the and the all-time kind of New Zealand try scoring records. But Amazing. Again, if we're talking about talking about somebody, and we're talking about how um, how graceful Gavin Henson was as a runner, Roccofoco was just. It's just great to watch. Just so much balance about him. That swerve. He seems to have so many different ways of beating, beating defenders in 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 tight spaces and accelerating away from them, stepping them. Um, yeah, and really clever as well with with those support lines as you'd expect from any sort of Kiwi. But and th- and then what was really cool and a lot of a lot of kind of guys on this side, I guess, share that is that longevity. Not you know, he was, we know about the kind of 
the conveyor belt of New Zealand wings. They seem to be turfed out before they're 30 a lot of the time. But he was still still dropping jaws at, at Racing 92. And I think he, he only retired last year, which is mad. Um, but yeah, he was he was a lot of fun. We had um, had his mate uh, Rupani Thalfanabuka yeah. in there. Um, had George Bridge in there as well, who's been, well, right. been cool to watch for, yeah. for the Crusaders. Um, and Shane Williams too, obviously. Um, but yeah, Rockafoco wins out. Yeah, it's a it's a wonderful pick. I mean, he's um, he's at that that moment in time as well, where obviously playing eleven for New Zealand, you've kind of got the the weight of of John Lomu there very much. Mm. Um, yeah. But what what he did differently is he had the power and the explosiveness of of Lomu, but the ball handling skills of Vaisali Serevi. You know, he mm. had absolutely everything. And uh, just an utter joy to watch as long as it's not your team he's playing against. <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean, just he just used to come over and I've got kind of vague memories of every November just him just lacerating teams in the um, in those end of year tests. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I mean, famously the the, the kind of the closest that Wales have run uh, have run New Zealand uh, was I think it was two thousand and four. And uh, gave him a really good, a really good run out that day, and he scored an amazing try. And I can't remember who it is. It might be Shane that he he skins in a one on one on the break where he throws an outrageous dummy where he throws the ball up in his hand, catches yeah. it, and, and runs past him. And you, and it's one of those as heartbreaking as that was at a moment. You couldn't help but just applaud and go. That's yeah. just that's just that's why that's why we love this game. Yeah, yeah. There's some guys I mentioned. George Gregan is kind of like mm. really good bad guys. Um, guys, kind of you love to hate a little bit, but he kind of was almost a little bit too good for that. I think just kind of you were applauding him rather than thinking you were just thinking, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think he fell into like the the smiling assassin mode. Really. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. A wonderful player. Right. What about the other wing? Another so another All Black, um, but Ben Smith. Um, I just. He's kind of just one of those guys that there was a, a little while ago. I think there was a there was a debate over whether it was going to be him or Damien McKenzie at um, fullback for mm. for the for New Zealand, and they played against each other in a, in a super game. And Ben Smith was just he was flawless, sort of the, under high balls um, with his decision making. Um, not necessarily particularly, I don't remember it being a particularly flash performance, but just so few errors. And he's just got a supercomputer for a, for a rugby brain. It's just, it's been, it's been a real, it's been so, so it's a privilege to watch, watch him play every time you, because you can just see what he's working out in front of him the whole time. Invariably he's making strong decisions, seriously brave as well. Um, but yeah, just as far as an all-round, all-round rugby player, one of my absolute favourites. You're right. It's, there's there's nothing hugely flash about him, but everything he does is perfect. It's almost like a kind of, um, you know, the way that Manuel Neuer redefined the the role of a goalkeeper. That he's like, well, yeah, obviously I don't make mistakes and I make I make saves, uh, but also what I can do is I can play as a I can play as a sweeper. So I can keep the ball yeah. ticking over at the back, and and he's kind of got that that outrageous skill set that he can do everything. And again, on the wing or at fullback. Yeah, yeah, um, and just and stuff like him, him stepping up at scrum half and playing those one twos with Aaron Smith, and that, that just showing that kind of different way he's trying to think of 
think about the game and teasing teasing defenders kind of out of place. I just he, he just so so much cunning about him as a, as a player, and um, yeah, that kind of he, he was he was an easy pick to be honest. Um, another guy I had in there who's been um, been a lot of fun to watch kind of come through the ranks has been Jack Noll, just because mm. it's kind of almost kind of similar in some ways as far as he kind of roaming all around the pitch, but very kind of all action, explosive, um, tenacious. It's probably kind of got him into a little, a little bit of trouble kind of physically. He's got a lot of wear and tear on his body because he's just so, so much enthusiasm about him. Um, and yeah, that's, it's, it's really, it's really kind of easy to let a player like that capture your imagination. It's a, it's in, invariably a lot of fun kind of tracking, tracking what he's doing all around the pitch. Yeah, again, another uh, another outstanding player. Right, there's only one position left though, and that is fullback. How many are yeah. in the running? How many? So I had, I've got four written down. I've got Damien McKenzie, having just slagged him off, which is a bit unfair. Um, I've got Brent Russell, um, kind of little little blonde, another little blonde bloke um, who was the Sharks. James James um, Hook mentioned him last week as really? well. Actually. Yeah, cool. he did. Um, I've got Cullen, but I went actually ended up with Alex Good. Um, just because um, he's probably probably another one that kind of falls into the category of of could have could have got a lot more caps. He's he's got twenty one. Um, but yeah, just um, as far as how he enhanced teams, how he brought the best out of his backline, um, how he always make always makes his wingers look good, how he always makes his fly halves look good. He's, he's brilliant as a second receiver as a second organizer and um again someone like him the, the longevity he's, he's over 30 now but that that roll call is probably you know probably slightly well it's, it's tainted now given what given what saracens have done and what they've been found guilty of but you respect the respect that he deserves as an individual for how much he's enhanced that side and how what he's being through and what he's won with them. If I'm I honest, I don't. Right. I don't think it does taint his record because mm. the reality is Saracens, particularly under the rules they were playing, could sign anyone, and yeah. they did. And they, you know, signed Liam Williams. They've, you know, they signed a whole host of outstanding players in the backs. But Alex Good was always there in amongst it. You know, it's you know there, there was ne- there's never a question of. Oh well, we we're going to get rid of Alex Good because we can just go out and sign a flasher version. He is a, a player who's absolutely at the the heartbeat of um, the heartbeat of that side. You know, it's uh, it's testament to how uh, how important a player he was. The, the interesting point you've said there, though, Charlie, is he, he never really featured for England. I know he's got what did you say, thirty caps, but um, 20, 21, 21, 21, which is yeah. Um, why is that? That so I think the I think the official reason that Eddie Jones has given is that he really liked what Mike Brown offered as kind of that that tenacious last line of defence um, and um, just that kind of that extra maybe maybe he was Mike Brown was perceived to be a bit of a, a stronger leader in that regard. Stuart Lancaster stuck with stuck with Good for a while. And I think even now Stuart Lancaster is kind of Leinster's coach looks at the way Saracens played and looks at not just Owen Farrell as a playmaker, but Owen Farrell and, and Good together and how they kind of dovetail because I think Good has been very important for for Farrell in that regard. Um, and I just think that's the trade-off that, that England made, which is a bit of a, it's probably a little bit 
a little bit conservative. You do wonder whether, um, and it's not as if you know other Southern Hemisphere countries haven't got fantastic players in those positions, but maybe he might have been valued valued more in another side um, because the qualities there are just are just so obvious. He just, as I've said, he's just a great. He's a great, real, real unselfish facilitator, and. Um, when it comes to the nitty gritty, as far as that, that just there hasn't been many, if any, players as intelligent as far as their positioning in the backfield. You know, pretty solid enough under the high ball. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one, a bit of a mystery, um, to be honest, because you know we've seen him in those in those high stakes games for Saracens deliver time and time again. The the only thing I can I can think of, and again, this is based on no science whatsoever, but just based on watching rugby, is I think the the only flaw I can see in his game is that uh, he's not he's not especially quick, and I think that's the that's the the only thing that I can think that would have held him back because, in many ways, you know, he's he's kind of the opposite of Mike Brown um, because Brown, I think, for a while, as it, you know, is good a player as he was for England, he didn't use his wingers very much at all. And, you know, there were some wonderful players playing on uh, on either wing from him. And you're right, Alex Gude kind of brings out the uh, brings out the best in those. So it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what the answer is and how to leave it, but bringing it back to your side, <laughs> when you've got Ben Smith on one wing, Rokothoko on the other, and then you've got centres like Henson O'Driscoll and, and Carlos Spencer in the back. So I don't, I, I think he's, uh, I, I think he's going to have a more than a, more than enough options there. That's the idea. That's the idea. Beautiful stuff. Well, it's a wonderful side. Just to, just to recap, starting with the, uh, starting with the forwards, uh, Ayetza, Smith and Sinclair in the front row, Martin Johnson, Brady Retallick in the second row, Ryan Jones, Liam Gill and Fritz Lee in the, uh, in the back row. Halfbacks of Dwayne Peel and Carlos Spencer, wingers of Joe Rockthoko and Ben Smith. And then in the centre, it's Gavin Henson and Brian O'Driscoll and Alex Goode at fullback. Right. The only questions that remain then, uh, Charlie, is uh, we do need to ask you for a captain out of, uh, out of all those, some fantastic leaders in there. Who would you go for? I think as far as to, to really kind of um, set our stall out as far as how we're going to play, I think I'd probably go Carl Spencer. <laughs> Outstanding. As that, out of all of those, you're talking about, you know, potentially upsetting players and you've got Johnson, Retallick, Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, yeah. All in the forwards. It's like, no, no, Spencer gets the armband. Uh, right. And uh, this side would get to get to play one game against an opposition of your choice. It would be any side, any era. Um, who would you go for? Why don't we go back to 2001 and play against that Australia team? Or I maybe... Think, yeah, it's a running theme. I think you should. Yeah, I, th- or, I think so. I think if, so. You want, if you wanted to be really hipster, we could go for the Australia A side that actually beat the Lions in a, in a midweek game. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's your choice. I won't. I was, I, was th- I was thinking either of those two or maybe the maybe the 99 um, Aussie World Cup winning winning teams. I think, I think everybody, including Liam Gill, could get fired up for that. It's your, it's your choice. I, uh, I shouldn't have influenced you there. I overstepped the mark. <laughs> I don't think uh, any one of them. So how about how about the ninety nine lot though? Let's go ninety nine Australian world. And you've also got Johnson against Eels again. Perfect, perfect, perfect choice. Yeah. Uh, okay, and you also get to pick the, uh, the the stadium or the ground you'd like this game to take place. Uh, Millennium Stadium. Beautiful, mighty fine choice. Crowd pleaser there, like that. Yeah, and uh, and you also get to choose the kit as well. Is there a particular kit that kind of uh, that strikes uh, that strikes a chord with you? So yeah, I can only think of our so our school kit was black with uh, black with red trim, and that was pretty. Okay. that was pretty cool. 
Black, yeah, where, so where, where's the trim? What do we? What, what we? So we're talking there? talking collars, and we're talking um, talking collars, sleeves, top of the socks. Just thinking um, trim on the sleeves, nice. Yeah, and yeah, just I think Johnson and Retallick could look pretty uh, pretty imposing in that, as well as Fritz Lee. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's a wonderful choice. Charlie, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Uh, it's been a, uh, an absolute pleasure as always and a really interesting uh, a really interesting side you've picked there. Thanks for joining us. No worries, mate. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Podcast Network.